Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. We're going to be looking in Judges chapter 6, 7 and 8, quite a lot to be going through. So I'm not going to read every verse, but I would encourage you to have your Bibles open on your device or a physical Bible if you have got one with you, that'd be great. And before we start, I would love us to just um, engage in a little act of preparedness of heart. And um, sometimes when I come to hear the Bible, I just say in my heart, speak Lord, because your servant is listening. And uh, we believe that when we come to the Bible, God wants to communicate his love to every one of us. He wants to put light on our path for this journey of faith. So can we just say that together? Speak Lord, your servant is listening. How do we, is that okay? We've got a thumbs up for that? After three. One, two, three. Speak Lord, your servant is listening. Wonderful. Bit of liturgy to start us off. So who remembers last week? Who was the character last week? Deborah, there we go. We looked at Deborah last week. After Deborah did her thing, there were 40 years of peace in the land. And today we're carrying on in Judges 6 and 7. And I've got the privilege of speaking about Gideon. We're going to look at his life. Three things we're going to see as we look at this passage. You can get a sense of where we're heading this morning. So in Judges chapter 6, we see the Israelites in a state of complete turmoil. I'm going to read it from um, Judges chapter 6. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, in claves, and in strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They came up with their livestock and the tents, like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. What a horrendous story. We see this familiar cycle again in the book of Judges, the cycle that you see on screen there. That's what has been the consistent feature of the book of Judges. This cycle isn't just in the book of Judges. It can also be in us. How many times have we found ourselves in a real pickle and we've prayed a prayer, something like this. God, if you just answer this one prayer, I'll do anything you ask. Just please get me out of this mess. Judges 6 verse 6 says this. Midian so impoverished the Israelites, they cried out to the Lord for help. Friends, there's a big difference between regret and repentance. We can call out to God, but sometimes if we're honest, it's because of regret. Regret sounds like we don't like the consequences of our dumb choices, and we'd love God to fix it. (laughs) That's regret. But repentance is different. It's owning the stuff we've done wrong and being genuinely sorry. I'm sorry how my choices have affected my relationship with God. That is true repentance. Does the nation of Israel repent? I don't really think so. I think they just don't like the consequences. They don't like the fact that they're having all their crops plundered. They don't like the consequences of what's happened. Let's look at verse 7 in this first chapter, chapter 6. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet. The prophet said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians. And I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I'm the Lord your God. Don't worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you haven't listened to me. Their hearts had drifted yet again. They disobeyed God. They had not listened to him yet again. God in his kindness gives them another deliverer. Gideon, our reluctant leader. 
This is what we pick up with the story of Gideon. The angel of the Lord came to Gideon. Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He's a bit taken back by that. What's a wine press? Well, that's the wine press on the screen there. It's just a kind of a, a sunken space in the ground where you could just press your wine normally. But he wasn't using it to press wine. He was keeping hidden to try and thresh some wheat. Because normally when you thresh wheat, you sort of send stuff up into the air and the wheat falls down, the chaff blows away. But he's doing it undercover. So here's Gideon. He's hiding from the Midianites. He doesn't want to get nobbled by them. He's virtually invisible in this wine press. Talk about keeping a low profile. I mean, he's hiding from the Midianites. I think he might be hiding from God as well. But then the messenger comes to him, Gideon, and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Verse 13, pardon me, my Lord, <laughs> Gideon replied, but if, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about? He carries on, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest of the clans and I'm the smallest in my family. He's having an insecure moment. Pardon me, my Lord, is code for, I think you've got the wrong guy. I think your GPS took you to the wrong destination. I am not the chap you're looking for. Essentially, God's, uh, Gideon's saying, why has this happened and why me? Why pick on me? Well, there are three things that we get in the life of Gideon. And the first one is, don't let your fears talk you out of your purpose. God had a purpose for Gideon and a purpose for his nation. He's got a purpose for every one of us that follow him. Well, in fact, for everybody on the planet. So many things can distract us from our purposes. Fear or false humility, insecurity, compromise, past failure. We can beat ourselves up. In this story, we see how Gideon faced his fears, then fulfilled his purpose. God's purposes are found in the big stuff and the small stuff. Great opportunities might just come once a lifetime, but small opportunities surround you and me every day. I love what Ephesians says in the New Testament. It says that we're God's handiwork, every one of us. We're God's handiwork. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God's prepared in advance for us to do. Now, you might find that hard to believe, knowing your story or knowing your temperament. Not all of us, none of us are here by accident. God planned you, he wanted you alive and he created you and me for a purpose. Rick Warren puts it this way, focusing on yourself will never reveal your real purpose. You were made by God and you were made for God and until you understand that, life will never really make sense. Only in God do we discover our origin, our identity, our meaning, our purpose, our significance and our destiny. So this story of Gideon has got principles for every one of us in the room. Don't let your fears talk you out of your purpose. I think for Gideon, his identity answers his insecurity. Judges 6 verse 12, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And he says, how can I save Israel? Well, it starts with agreeing with God. Gideon has to go through a process of coming into alignment with the truth about who God says he is. He has to start agreeing with God. I am who you say I am. God said he was a mighty warrior. Gideon sees things very differently. He says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon was a person just in fear, hiding, you know, threshing away in that wine press. It's a real choice to live from God's perspective, what he thinks of us. I love the song, I am who you say I am. You know, I am chosen, not forsaken, punchline. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Do you know, sometimes we need to make godly confessions. 
To confess, that word confess, we often think about it confessing sin, but confess literally means to speak the same thing or to agree with. So in other words, we need to learn to agree with God. We confess faith in Jesus as Lord, or we can confess our sins, or we confess the truth of God's word. We need to learn to agree with what God says, memorise bits of the Bible that speak about your identity in Jesus. You know, Gideon had to confess. He had to come into agreement with what God said. What he felt was insignificant, insecure, the least in his family, from an insignificant clan, and unable to do anything. But he had to come in his heart to a place of agreement. God says, I'm with you, mighty warrior. And that had to be his identity, not his feelings, setting the agenda. Second thing we see in this thing that we don't let our fears take us out of our purpose is you have to go in the strength you have. Judges 6.14, the Lord turned to him and says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? I don't know what strength he had. It wasn't a lot, but he had to go in the strength he had. That's a great principle for us. Go with a little that you have. Don't wait till you feel ready. You never feel ready. I never feel ready to fully serve God. John Wimber, who led the vineyard and started it, said this phrase, you get the anointing as you do the job. <laughs> so you, as you kind of go and you think, I'm going to just give it my best shot. I go in the strength that I have. That's when you realise, hey, God's with me. What a surprise. I've seen people waste years of time waiting to feel qualified enough or more godly or more anointed or more capable before stepping up and serving and leading. We Grow as we go. Go in the strength you have. That's the same, friends, whether we're learning to pray for a a sick friend or we're sharing our faith or we're serving others or we're leading a small group. We never feel qualified. I've never felt qualified. I've never felt competent to do the job that God's called me to do. But gradually, as you go, God gives you the help. Sometimes we have to try. That's faith in action. Third thing in this bit, you may not be confident, but you can be at peace. In Judges 6, verses 17 to 24, I'm going to storytell it. God is there with Gideon, and Gideon wants a sign. He wants to know, are you in this, God? What's going on? And he prepares this meal, and then God decides to barbecue that meal with fire from a rock, and it gets cremated. And that freaks out Gideon. He's thinking, I wasn't planning on that. And we pick it up at verse 22. When Gideon realised that it was the angel of the Lord that had just come, he says, oh my gosh, I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. The Lord said to him, peace, don't be afraid, you're not going to die. That's a nice reassuring word from God. (laughs) Today, no, you're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord, and he called it, the Lord is peace. His mindset is shifting. Crikey, God is peace. Confidence sounds like, I've got this. I'm all over it. But peace sounds like, God's got me. (laughs) That's what Gideon realised. He wasn't confident, but he did have some peace. God needed the reassurance that, that Gideon needed the reassurance that God was really with him. He was wobbly. His faith was weak. Anybody have weak faith, wobbly faith? Hey, you're in good company. That was Gideon all over, friends. He says a time and time and saying, can you give me a sign that you're really with me? You know, asking God for signs isn't really the best way to go about making decisions, but Gideon was wanting to understand the nature of God a bit more. His request for a sign was just saying, God, I'm a bit weak in my faith. Can you help me out here? Strengthen my faith. The understanding that Gideon gets is that God is peace. That's maybe a word for us as well. Don't let your fears talk you out of your purpose. Second thing, don't let your past determine your future. We see this, three lessons here in the life of Gideon. He had to break with some wrong traditions in his past. He didn't let his past determine his future with God. Judges 6.25, that same night the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that's seven years old, 
and tear down your father's altar to Baal. His dad was meant to be a good Israelite, but he's got an altar to Baal in his back garden. Cut down the Asherah pole beside it, then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of it. You know, I want you to break with something that's dysfunctional in your past right now. Don't let that define you. I want you to display courage and not compromise. You know, for the Israelites, they hadn't really fully abandoned God. They just combined idol worship with the worship of God. And God says, demolish that altar to Baal. Re-establish a priority of putting God first. For Gideon, it's as if God is saying, do you know what, Gideon? Compromise may be in your family or even in your history, but it's not meant for your future. The compromise for Gideon and his family was like a spiritual stronghold. It was a physical altar in the back garden in his family, but it had to be torn down. That, that sort of idea of stronghold reminds me of New Testament language. In 2 Corinthians, it says the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they've got divine power to demolish strongholds, to take them down. We demolish the arguments and the pretensions that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. The space where we deal with strongholds is often in the way we think about God or ourselves or the future. You know, we face moments, we all face moments when we have to reflect deeply on our own failings or the failing of our background and our families. I mean, Gideon's there and thinking, mum and dad did some pretty dumb things. I don't want to be defined by that. How can I live free and move into my purpose? Some of the qualities and the values and the practices that you've had from your family or your past may be great, but some of the mindsets that we have represent compromise or brokenness or dysfunction. We need to take those and make them obedient to Christ. I mean, for me, my attitudes to money, ways of resolving conflict, dealing with anger, dealing with disappointment and loss, they're all things I've had to reflect on and think, is there a more Jesus way of doing this right now? Maybe for you, you need to talk with Jesus, book a prayer appointment to Sozo, ask a friend to pray with you so that those things in your background don't determine your future. Gideon was afraid of his family. He was afraid of the town people around him. He carried out God's instructions to pull down that idol, but he did it at night when no one else could see. Not a guy full of courage. He's just trying to avoid conflict. Anybody else like avoiding conflict? You know, God said to him, go in the strength you have. I think that's what he's doing. The strength he had was, I can just about face this under the cover of darkness. <laughs> I'm not bold and going for it at midday when I'm going to be seen. He goes in the strength he has, which is a little bit of faith. Here's the principle, friends. Little steps of obedience can be a tipping point to the bigger work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I've seen this so many times. Maybe confession, bringing a little something that we've done into the light, sharing it, confessing it, dealing with an issue or with an area of compromise. We're learning to say yes to Jesus in the small things, responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our conscience or the leading of the Spirit. Those little God nudges in our conscience. You know what I'm talking about, when God just nudges you and gets your attention. Maybe in the midst of a time of worship or during a talk, Maybe it sounds like, apologise to your flatmate. Send that person a gift. Pop a text through to that person in your small group who's new. Get that homeless guy some lunch. Don't just walk past. Share this word. Join a team. Step up and lead. We're meant to get used to responding to those little prompts, those little God steps. And each prompting of the Spirit is God's way of leading us. That's what it means to be led by the Spirit. I think that's what he's done in a couple of simple moments and then it ramps up to God doing more in his life. Now, 
All of the Midianites, Amalekites, and other peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the Valley of Jezreel. Do you know what? Same old story. It's about to kick off again. They're about to come, plunder all our crops. We're going to go and retreat to the hills, hide in the caves, and be miserable again. Same old story, same old retreat, same old runaway. But this time it's different. He's cultivated a bit of a pattern of going in the strength he has, which isn't a lot, responding to the prompting of God and doing the right thing. And then it's as if it becomes a tipping point in this story. Look at it. The Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and he blew the trumpet, summoning the Abiezrites to follow him. He sent messages throughout Manasseh, calling them to arms and also to Asher, to Zebulun and Naphtali, so that they too went up to meet him. Gideon blows a trumpet. He summons the Israelites to gather to his leadership. Gideon, don't let your fears talk you out of your purpose. Don't let your past determine your future. Gideon, do something you haven't done before. Step up, stand up, blow the trumpet, rally your friends. This is not natural for him. So sometimes we have to break with expectations to do something your family don't expect you to do. The the book Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren says this, we're products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners to it. Sometimes moments come for every one of us. You might be facing it right now or some point in the future when our commitment to God can't stay hidden. We simply have to make a stand. Your faith might put you at odds with some family expectations or you might find pressure from colleagues or friends at work. I want you to spot this, friends, in this story. Gideon breaks with his normal temperament. I love things that give me insight into temperament and personality and all that kind of stuff and strengths and your Myers-Briggs introvert, extrovert. Those are all insights, but he broke with his temperament. What I mean by that? He's normally a keep your head down, keep a low profile kind of guy. He's been hiding in the threshing floor. He's been obeying God at night because he fears confrontation and the enemy wants to keep him down. But sometimes we have to step up. That might be at odds with your temperament. It might be something new for you. But that's a sign that the Holy Spirit's at work. God's gift are given to us for the common good. It's not just for us. He calls us to step up for the sake of others. That's what's happening in this story. Serving or leading, standing up, speaking up for the sake of others. It could be at work, like, like George's recent story, you know, fighting for justice, or in church, or in community, sharing your faith, opening up your home, leading a group. We go in the strength we have. We get the anointing as we do the job. But in, these, in the middle of these little steps of obedience, tearing down an altar to Baal and bringing a new altar to God, the Spirit of God comes on again. He blows a trumpet. Now that's going to get some attention, isn't it, when you blow a trumpet, when your enemies are coming into your land. He causes immediate family to follow him. He's not letting his temperament or his history set the agenda. He's gone from being a quiet, unassuming guy, just thinking about making things good for himself and his family, threshing a bit of wheat, and he's now willing to step up, put his head above the parapet for the sake of others. There's lessons here, friends. I know many introverts who've been called to lead churches. It's the last thing they would have ever chosen. They find it agonizing, being around people all that time. Crikey. But the language here is wonderful. The Spirit of the Lord covered Gideon like clothing. Judges 6.34. He blew a trumpet and the people gathered to him. I think the Spirit of God has seen those little baby steps of obedience and then said, I'm giving you courage to face this moment. That's what God does when we learn to follow the leading of the Spirit. And the last thing we see in this passage is don't let the odds stop you obeying. In Judges chapter 7, we get the, possibly the strangest part of the story where literally God just flips the odds. So with newfound confidence, Gideon's blown the trumpet. People are rallying to him. There's some sense of hope for the future. And he's got 32,000 men 
to fight the Midianites. We've got a fighting chance with 32,000 men. He's thinking, bring it on. And then what does God do? God says, hang on a minute. I'm going to change the odds a little bit. <laughs> Let's just let a few folks, if you're a little bit scared, don't want to go into battle, you can leave. So 22,000 men just walk off the battlefield. <laughs> it's a bit depressing as a leader, isn't it? Do you want to follow me? I'm blowing the trumpet. Oh, 22,000 have gone. <laughs> okay, 10,000. We can do a lot with 10,000. But the 10,000 is still too many. And through a series of tests, which I haven't got time to go into, read it in your own time. Gideon's left with just 300 men. It makes me think of the Hunger Games. May the odds be ever in your favour. Well, they're not in Gideon's favour, are they? <laughs> I mean, he's not having a good day right now. He's definitely outnumbered, a bit like that sort of a lone figure on the chessboard. So don't let the odds stop you obeying. You know, it's not about your own strength. Obedience can be counterintuitive and strength is made perfect in weakness. What's going on in this story? Judges 7, verses 2 and 3. The Lord said to Gideon, you've got too many men. I can't deliver Midian into your hands or Israel would boast against me. And they would think, do you know what? I've got this. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear can turn back and 22,000 left. He didn't want the Israelites thinking they'd done it on their own, that they were smart. It was their own strength. He wanted them to understand that dependence on him is the way we do life. It's the way we do faith. The second thing in this bit is that obedience to God for all of us at certain points can feel really counterintuitive. This story displays a counterintuitive obedience. You'd think, get the army together, rally the troops, we've got at least a fighting chance. And God flips it. It makes no sense whatsoever on the eve of a battle to reduce your army, to have less chance of winning. Sometimes obedience for us is counterintuitive. Sometimes you're reading something in the Bible and you think, that really winds me up. That doesn't make sense. Everything in that, that I've just read in the words of Jesus, just is counter to how I'd instinctively respond in this moment. Forgive my enemies. Pray for those who persecute me. I mean, the list goes on. We have those moments where it just grates with us at some level, if we're honest. It's counterintuitive. I mean, if I, if I take God's command to try and live from a place of rest, and I take that seriously, if I rest one day in seven, I do no work, I shut my laptop, I don't get on my phone, if I put God first and properly disengage, then I'm going to get more done in the six days that are left. It doesn't make sense. I could just bang out a few emails and get a few things sorted for the week ahead. Counterintuitive. I have to remind myself, when I'm resting, you're working, God. God first living can be counterintuitive. God first in our time, he blesses the rest. God first in our finances, he can bless the rest. That's the life of faith, friends. It's not always stuff that makes sense. And that's what this story shows. But the last thing we see is that strength is made perfect in weakness. During the night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp, because I'm going to give it into your hands. So we get this crazy story that without very people... Not many men armed with not very much in the way of weapons, just some trumpets and some torches and some jars of clay. Gideon and his small band of warriors, they approach the Midianites at night. And at Gideon's signal, they blow their trumpets and they broke their jars and they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. I think that's quite a funny line, don't you? Because they haven't got any swords. <laughs> They've only got torches and trumpets. Can we have a sword for Gideon, please? <laughs> a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. But the Midianites are caught off guard and they're confused by the noise. And at the sight of the torches, they turned on each other in panic. Gideon and his men pursued and defeated the Midianites, finally freeing the Israelites and their oppressors. After this, because of Gideon's learning to follow the leading of the Spirit, his act of obedience, 40 years of peace yet again. 
Last thing I see in this is that just it's a theme throughout the Bible that these counterintuitive moments of obedience, this going in a sense of weakness sometimes is how it works. You know, Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Just as we wrap it up, just these stories of faith, they're, they're there for us. Don't let your fears talk you out of your purpose. Go in the strength you have. And that might be really little. You might not be confident, but you can be at peace. Don't let your past determine your future. We need to sometimes reset some of the dysfunction of our own choices or our family of origin. Break with expectations that are on us and just display courage and not compromise. But don't let the odds stop you obeying. It's not about your strength. Obedience can sometimes feel counterintuitive, but the way God says it is that strength is made perfect in weakness. Why don't we stand together and we're going to have a chance to respond to God in worship. And um, in the midst of the worship, we've covered a lot from the Bible, but the, the Bible's written in love for us in our life of faith. And maybe there's a phrase or a, a bit of that story that will speak to us today. And just in the midst of our worship, as we draw near to God in these simple songs, it's the chance to come as we really are to him. And to listen and say, God, is there anything you're saying to me today? Is there anything you want to do in my life today? And then a bit later, we'll have a chance to respond and pray for one another. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.